0: Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. Previously on Unwritten.
1: I'll be here all week. And by here I mean my office. And by all week I mean 24-7 till I finish this thesis.
0: Elaine's phone buzzes once.
1: Voicemail. You ducking your parents? Not at all. I just haven't answered their calls for a few days. It's not entirely my fault. Breaking up is hard. It's really not. Tons of options. Just depending on your mood. Supportive bestie. I don't want to ruin our friendship. Total bitch. I'm just not that, like, into you and connoisseur of the classics. (laughs) It's not you. It's me.
0: Elaine smiles more at each one. By the end, she's laughing.
1: (laughs) I'll have to remember those. Sorry. I've had a rough couple weeks. You sure you don't want to come?
0: Lita stops in mid brush stroke.
1: No, I'm good. Okay.
0: Elaine picks up her phone and starts for the door. Elaine? Elaine stops and turns.
1: You could stay home instead.
0: Elaine looks around the apartment. Lita steps off the railing and drops out of sight. A split second before Elaine turns completely around. Elaine looks out at the empty balcony.
1: Lita? Got it all It's just unwritten
2: Not putting it off Just trying to figure it out If what I say Comes to fruition
3: With these words I can't play around Walking on a wire.
0: Dayton Writer's Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, Zach Duncan, Adrian Miller, and I'm Sean Gunther. Episode 2, The Psychopathology of Everyday Life, written by Jenna Gomes, directed by Chris Burnside. Also starring David Gaylor, Thomas Puckett, Joe Oliveri, Sandy Coleman, Stephen Crump, Chris Petrie. Elaine, Chelsea, and August are at the cemetery for Lita's funeral. Lita's friends and family gather around her casket. The priest is giving a rote recitation of a standard Catholic funeral. Chelsea starts determinedly poking Elaine's side. Elaine bats her away. Chelsea leans in anyway.
1: I didn't even know she was Catholic. She wasn't.
0: Elaine glances at Lita's mother who is clutching a crucifix around her neck. Chelsea follows her gaze. Oh. The priest quotes scripture from John. Lita's younger sister lets out a cry that pauses the priest. Everyone watches as her parents comfort her. Elaine inhales sharply, staring hard at the ground. Chelsea sidesteps closer to Elaine, brushing her arm.
1: That poor girl. That poor family.
0: Tears run down Elaine's cheeks as she silently cries. August reaches out and grasps Elaine's hand. Her fingers hang limp in his grip. He squeezes once, sees and feels no reaction from her, and releases her hand. I'm so sorry, Elaine. Elaine shows no recognition of him. His gaze falls to the ground. Chelsea gently takes Elaine's hand, and Elaine lightly squeezes back. They listen as the priest speaks of delivering Lita's soul from sin.
1: This might be a little easier on everyone if it were about Lita's life instead of about her sins. They say that sin parted every Catholic funeral. Do they write past unexpectedly in every Catholic obituary too? Not now, Chelsea. Sorry. I just want to remember the wonderful person she was, not the one mistake she made. I don't think I will ever not remember that night.
0: One week earlier, Elaine waits in an interrogation room at the police station. She sits at a table alone. Her hands are balled up into fists, her eyes are red from crying, and she looks out of it. The door opens and Elaine jumps. Detective Mack, a clean-cut, well-dressed investigator, enters. I'm sorry to have startled you.
1: No, it's... I'm... I'm just... it's fine.
2: I'm Detective Mack. Just wanted to ask you a few questions about what happened tonight. Is that alright? Yes. Would you like some water?
0: Elaine shakes her head, attempting to smile.
2: Okay. Now let's start with your name, for the record.
1: Uh, uh, Elaine.
2: We're gonna need your last name too, sweetie.
1: Oh, um, Harper. Elaine Harper?
2: What was your relationship to Lita Rios?
1: She's my roommate. And friend? Yes, and friend.
2: When was the last time you saw her?
1: Around... 9 p.m.? She was painting in our apartment. And then I left.
0: Elaine suppresses a sob by sharply inhaling. Mac waits.
1: Then I left to go to a bar.
2: At what time? Which bar?
1: I left for Splendor around 9 p.m.
2: A club. Were you drinking there?
1: Yes. I, I mean, no. Not like that.
2: Can you clarify?
1: I always drink ginger ale.
2: So, you went to a club on a Friday night and you weren't drinking?
1: No, I was just going to celebrate my friend's gay pride rally from earlier. I don't really like drinking.
2: I see. So were you and Lita more than friends?
0: Elaine is startled by the suggestion. She's confused for a moment as she tries to put together the purpose behind the question.
1: Oh, oh, um, no, we weren't. Just friends. Just allies to the cause.
0: Detective Mac eyes her skeptically. Elaine points to the word ally on her shirt and offers a half smile. Okay.
2: So what time did you leave Splendor?
1: Um, ten, fifteen. Then I went straight home.
2: Was Lita there when you got home? No. Miss Harper, we already know what happened. Elaine
0: squints at him, confused.
1: What happened with what? With Lita. I don't understand. I told you she wasn't home.
0: She was. She
2: fell from your balcony. Elaine shakes her head vigorously.
1: No, you're mistaken. I was there. She wasn't.
2: You know what happened. You were the one who handed her note to the responding officers.
1: You think she jumped? The note never said... It wasn't that kind of note. Miss Harper... No, 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 no. No, you're wrong. No, I was there the whole time. It wasn't Lena who fell. It couldn't have been her because I was there and she wasn't.
2: I think maybe you need some time to process this. You're in shock.
1: I am fully lucid. Would a person in shock use the word lucid?
0: Well, I'm not sure.
1: She wasn't there. I would have seen her.
2: Were you looking out at the balcony?
0: Elaine looks at the ceiling as she searches her memory.
1: I mean, not the whole time. But I looked at it.
2: And you didn't see Lita there?
1: No, because she wasn't there.
2: Do you think it's likely she fell from a different balcony? Elaine
0: stares at Detective Mac blankly.
2: I can't decide if you're in denial or lying to me. You know that lying to me is a bad idea, don't you?
1: Why would I lie?
2: This will go much better for you if you just get out in front of it. Tell me your side.
1: My side of what? I've told you everything. I don't understand why you're interrogating me. I don't know what else you want to hear. I just want to go home and see Lita.
0: Elaine and Detective Mac hear muffled, agitated voices growing louder beyond the closed interrogation door. A police officer is arguing with someone.
1: Her friend just jumped off a building. How dare you force this on her? Do you understand the psychological damage you're doing? She cannot handle this.
0: Elaine looks around, startled by Chelsea's voice. More officers outside try to calm Chelsea down.
1: This is false imprisonment. She's not under arrest. Open the door. Open the fucking door. I will be back here in an hour with a writ of habeas corpus and reporters. Lots of reporters. And I'll leave with Elaine and your badge, officer. Open the fucking door.
0: Detective Mack tries to get Elaine's attention, but she's fixated on Chelsea's voice. Miss Harper,
2: Elaine, clearly this is traumatizing for you. We can continue our conversation as the investigation continues.
0: Chelsea bursts into the room, a little drunk and completely livid. She softens immediately when she sees Elaine, and her eyes fill with tears. Immediately upon seeing Chelsea, Elaine bursts into uncontrolled sobs. Chelsea whirls on Detective Mac with fire in her eyes.
1: We're leaving.
0: Detective Mack stands up. That's up to her. She came here willingly. Chelsea looks at Elaine, who is hugging herself and rocking as she cries. Chelsea grits her teeth at Detective Mac and gets in his face.
1: Move, or I will move you.
0: You don't want to threaten me. Try me. Detective Mac and Chelsea stare each other down. Finally, Mac takes a step back and waves towards the door. Chelsea rushes to Elaine's side and puts her arm around her. Elaine? Elaine? Elaine snaps out of her memories and turns to August... The priest is finishing his blessing over Lita's coffin. Elaine? Elaine watches him, as if deciding whether to even answer. She sees Hemingway standing behind August in the crowd of mourners. August waits a few seconds. Realizing Elaine isn't going to respond, he continues. Hey, you doing okay?
1: Yeah. Sure. Yes.
0: Elaine hardens pushing something deep down inside herself. The priest ends his blessing, and some of the mourners say amen. The crowd slowly disperses, hugging Lita's family and telling them how sorry they are. Chelsea and August move with the crowd and wait for Elaine a short distance away. Elaine and Hemingway linger beside the coffin. Lita's mother, who suffers from MS, slowly approaches Elaine, leaning heavily on a cane.
3: Elaine... I want to thank you for being such a good friend to Lita. No, I mean, she is great. Yes, she was. Can I ask you something, dear? Of course. Can you. We would like to keep what happened between us, all right? What happened? It was a tragic accident, right? Can you just. Make sure you don't talk about anything
0: else. Hemingway raises his eyebrows.
2: The world breaks everyone.
3: Oh, right, of course. Thank you for understanding. I know this is what she would have wanted.
0: Lita's mother walks away to her family. Hemingway stares daggers at the back of Lita's parents.
2: Every man's life ends the same way. It is only the details of how he lived and how he died that distinguished one
0: man from another. Chelsea walks back over to Elaine.
1: Wow. They're still denying it. I guess. That's sad.
0: There is
2: nothing sweet nor fitting about dying.
1: Yes. I told August to meet us at the reception. You're welcome. Thank you? You're ice cold, Harper. And that kid does not have a coat.
0: They watch August get into his car and drive off.
1: Fine. Elaine? If you keep pushing people away, they might stop coming back.
0: August's car turns a corner and disappears from view. (music) Chelsea is driving away from the funeral. Elaine is beside her in the passenger seat.
1: Elaine? Mm Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm fine.
0: They drive in silence as Chelsea grows more restless.
1: (sighs) Elaine? Yes, Chelsea? How are you really? What kind of question is that? A straightforward one. (sighs) That you know the answer to. Yes, okay, I guess I do. But you know that I'm stubborn and that I love you and that I will make you talk to me.
0: Elaine stares out the window of the car, showing no signs of even hearing Chelsea. They drive in silence. Chelsea slows down the car as they pull up to a modest suburban home. She puts the car in park a little too aggressively.
1: I'm going to help you through this, okay? I know, thanks. I'm really not looking forward to this. The wake, or whatever it's called. Honestly, people never cry that much at post-funeral gatherings. The most we have to fear is punchbowl small talk and the mystery meat in the casserole, but no one really eats the food anyway. Well, I guess there's always some uncle that gorges himself on the cheese plate.
0: Inside the home of Lita's family, Elaine stands at a table full of food, eyeing the crackers. A rather large man stands there, picking up different kinds of cheese and eating them. He looks at her as he chews.
2: They even got Swiss and Colby Jack? Nobody ever has Colby
0: Jack! Elaine gives him a polite nod and backs away. Chelsea joins her.
1: How did you know about the cheese? Everyone has a weird uncle.
0: They look around the crowded, solemn room.
1: Oi. Yeah, I was hoping it would be a little more upbeat here. Though I guess suicide really kills the mood. We're not supposed to mention that. For Lita's reputation or something. Everybody already knows. Of course they do but I'd like to at least honor my word. So let's just not talk about it right now. I know, I know. It's just that not talking about it is why it's such a... Elaine! Elaine, honey!
0: Elaine's eyes widen as her mother, Sue, rushes over to hug her.
4: Elaine, why didn't you call us? Chelsea let us know what happened, and we made it up here as soon as we could.
0: Elaine blinks hard as Sue gives Chelsea a hug. Chelsea mouths, Sorry, over Sue's shoulder. Paul, Elaine's father, approaches awkwardly. He gives Elaine a pat on the shoulder, then a half hug. Elaine, we wish you had told us.
1: I didn't really feel like talking about it.
0: Well, you know, just we're here for you. I know. Everyone waits for Elaine to open up. She doesn't. So, uh, how's school? Chelsea's mouth drops open. Elaine's face is blank as Hemingway walks over to them, eating a piece of Kobe Jack.
1: Uh, She's writing her thesis. Oh yes, your thesis. That sounds... official. Master's programs are fairly official business.
0: Well, what's it about? Hemingway leans in and whispers into Elaine's ear. The psychological effects of parents who suppress creativity honey
1: um i'm looking into the uh sociological structure of the school i guess
5: you guess oh boy
1: dad i'm just let's not talk about this right now please
4: of course honey but we do need to talk about your apartment are leaders parents expecting you to pay for it all by yourself or are they going to cover her rent for the rest of the lease Because on your stipend, you can't exactly...
0: Elaine is horrified. Hemingway chokes on his cheese before walking away.
1: Oh, you know what? I just forgot that I have to get back for a meeting, and I'm Elaine's ride. Oh, Chelsea, we can take her back. Um... Well, actually, the meeting is with her. Yeah, it's kind of, um, a staff TA thing. It's kind of complicated.
4: Oh, well, okay then. Quick visit, I suppose. You be sure to call us, Elaine.
0: Elaine stares at the door, her fists clenched at her side.
4: Elaine, did you hear me? Yes,
1: I heard you. I'll call. Good, good, good. Thanks for coming.
0: Chelsea pulls her away before anyone tries to embrace. Sue calls after them.
4: We love you, honey. We'll talk to you later, okay?
0: Chelsea and Elaine are out the door quickly. She has none of my genes. Sue watches the spot where her daughter left. She turns back to Paul.
4: You did remind Dylan he's not allowed to have girls over
0: while we're out of town. Paul meanders over to the cheese table.
4: Paul? What's that? Dylan, at home alone. You told him the rules, I hope.
5: That boy's old enough to fend for himself.
4: But I thought we'd discuss this. We don't want him having girls over when we're not home, remember?
5: Oh, what's there to keep an eye on? I don't want to know his business. Do you? Honey. Boys will be boys.
0: Best just to let them be. Paul throws a cheese cube in his mouth. Outside, Chelsea and Elaine walk toward the car.
1: Thanks. I wanted to leave anyway. Uncle Colby Jack was kind of making my stomach turn.
0: Chelsea gets into the car. Elaine looks murderous, but follows suit.
1: I wasn't finished. Thanks, but I hate you. Why would you call them? I'm not your mom, Elaine. I mean, you're my best friend. I would take a small caliber bullet for you, but sometimes you just need your parents. Have you met my parents? I'm sorry. I thought it would help. I didn't know your mom would... Well, let's just get to that meeting, huh?
0: Suddenly, Elaine looks very overwhelmed.
1: I'm sorry, can we just can we just sit here for a second? I wish I knew what to say. And I know that sounds so weird coming out of my mouth because I always know what to say, but I don't. I don't understand what Lita did, and I don't understand why, so it's really hard for me to try to say the right thing to you. I could have stayed with her.
0: They both stare out the windshield at Lita's house.
1: The day she... She did it. She asked me if we were friends. And I said, of course. I can't help but wonder if I wasn't there enough for her or... No, you're not allowed to blame yourself. If I'm not, you're not. No, I know. I, I'm not putting the blame on myself or anything. I just can't believe she had to ask if we were friends. It's not like she was part of our group or whatever. But she knew I was her friend, right? She knew I cared about her. I honestly don't know, Chelsea. I don't know anything. Don't worry about me, though. I'm Chelsea Wu, okay? I got this. You, on the other hand...
0: Elaine looks into the rearview mirror and makes eye contact with Sigmund Freud, who sits in the back seat. He wears a formal waistcoat and tie and watches Elaine intently in the mirror. Chelsea's phone rings.
1: Shit. It's your mom. Can you just... Can you just do your Chelsea thing and make it go away? I'm on it.
0: Chelsea jumps out of the car, answers her phone, and starts pacing as she talks. Overwhelmed,
6: are you? I find it all rather underwhelming, actually. Everyone is far too easy to dissect.
1: I haven't seen you in a long time.
6: No, not since... well, you know.
1: Why are you here?
6: Families are my favorite.
1: What, mine?
6: Everyone's. But particularly yours, yes. I saw you run away from them.
1: Well, I didn't really feel like talking to them.
6: Yes, you did. You want comfort from them, no? But they didn't give you that.
1: No, they didn't. They never do. I don't even blame Chelsea for calling them. She probably thought they would actually say something... I don't know. Helpful?
6: Well now, they did try to help in their own way.
1: Why would they think it's okay to ask about school and... and rents? At a funeral? They care.
6: They offer to help with what they know they can help with.
1: But they don't care. They're so good at pretending they do, with the Ladies Guild and the Knights of Columbus. They're not even Catholic.
6: None of this is what's really bothering you. There's only one person who matters to you. Leda? Stop lying to yourself. Lida, her mother, your mother. All meaningless. You need to know who the acrobat is.
0: Sue knocks on the car window, startling Elaine. Elaine looks at Chelsea through the window, who looks back sheepishly, having failed to do her Chelsea thing. Paul walks up beside Sue, and Sue knocks again. Elaine gets out of the car.
4: Are you sure you're okay, Elaine? Fine. Mom, I have to go. We wanted to give you this before you headed off.
0: Sue hands Elaine an envelope of cash.
4: We thought it would be a good idea for you to see someone. Someone professional. To talk about this. With your history, it may be best.
5: Sue, didn't the Ladies' Guild do some kind of thing on suicide last year?
4: Oh, no, it was about self-harm. It was kind of taboo for the ladies' guild, but, you know, we realize that everyone is equal, and it doesn't matter what.
0: Chelsea runs over to clean up the mess she made. She gets back in the car and starts the engine. Elaine is relieved.
1: Okay, I have to go to my made-up meeting now.
0: Elaine gets back in the car, closing the car door. Made-up?
1: I'll do some research. Find
4: someone in the area.
0: Sue turns to talk softly to Paul as if hiding their conversation from Elaine.
4: Don't you think that's a good idea? You do remember.
0: Elaine rolls down the window right before August walks up. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. My GPS got me lost.
1: Actually, we were just about to leave. But we can hang a little longer if you want to have company.
0: Elaine closes her eyes and leans her head back on the seat. Chelsea, staring at Elaine's parents and August, all peering into the car window at Elaine, suddenly gives in. She throws the car into reverse. Elaine's parents just stand there stupidly. August jolts and jogs with the open window. Um, yeah, no, I'm fine being here by myself. It's just, I just, um...
1: August, I don't want to ruin our friendship. I'm just not that into you. It's not you, it's me.
0: She drives away, leaving August shocked and standing on the sidewalk. Elaine's parents come up behind him. Don't feel bad, son.
4: She did it to us, too.
0: Paul pats August awkwardly on the shoulder as he and Sue walk away. August puts his head in his hands. Elaine stares at a blank Word document on her computer. The cursor blinks on the page. Someone knocks.
1: Elaine? It's open, Chelsea.
0: Chelsea notes her blank computer screen.
1: Maybe you could start with your name? Whoa, did you hear that? What? I think there's a comedian in my living room. (laughs) How long do you have to finish this now? A couple weeks. You have to get moving on this. Start with anything. Anything. Here.
0: She grabs Elaine's computer.
1: Gender discrimination is bad. Period. There. Thesis. Bam.
0: Elaine rolls her eyes and deletes it.
1: I know. I just...
0: Elaine's eyes dart to Lita's old room.
1: Oh, Elaine. I'm not going to tell you how to deal with this, but you have to live your life, too. That is literally telling me how to deal with this. I'm not saying you shouldn't grieve. It's just hard, I guess. I keep looking up when the neighbors open their doors. I keep thinking it's her. Which is why you need to get out. Go somewhere to write. Library, coffee shop, bookstore, adult bookstore... All places with humans. Humans talk. They ask questions. What are you working on? How are you doing? Okay, fine. Don't get out and write your thesis, then. Just get out! Everyone misses you. And I solemnly swear we will not ask you how your thesis is going. Pinky promise. No, but everybody will ask me how I'm doing. I'll tell everyone to keep it light. You're missing the point, Charles. And that point is... They all view me as this fragile thing. Like they have to tiptoe around me. I don't want to ruin everyone else's fun by being... me. But this isn't you, Elaine. Do you know me? Okay. I wasn't going to bring this up because I kind of know how you will immediately shoot it down. I know I didn't even know Lita like you did, but it kind of messed me up too. So, I've been seeing this therapist at the school. A therapist? And this is why I didn't bring it up. How is a stranger going to know what to do? I thought it couldn't hurt. And that it might help me convince you to go, too. And you weren't going to bring this up? As if you haven't been maneuvering this conversation to this since you got here? No, no. I mean, kind of. I just know you, and I knew you would say no to going unless I told you it actually helped. And it does. Thank you for that, but the answer is still no. I figured... Sorry I snapped. Hey, it's fine. You could bite my head off and I'd still be here. Headless. Probably bumping into things a lot. Headless Chelsea would still be more supportive than my parents. Always.
0: Chelsea gives her a quick hug.
1: So, how about going out with us tonight? You're not letting this go, are you? Come on, it's karaoke. I mean, I know you won't sing, but I need my biggest fan there. I am otherwise susceptible to debilitating stage fright. It's an illness, really. Pale face. Dry throat. If it's that creepy karaoke bar again, no thanks. You're still bitter. Strangers touching my ass? Yes, I'm bitter. Strangers touching your ass doesn't mean it's creepy. It just means you're at a bar. You're really selling this right now.
0: Elaine starts aimlessly scrolling through her social media. There are a handful of posts on Lita's page saying things like, Miss you, and rest in peace.
1: And this makes it worse. God, I hate that. Like, McKenna Schreiber, she's on my staff. She probably had like one conversation with Lita, ever. People just do it for attention. She would have hated all of this.
0: Chelsea reaches over and closes Elaine's computer.
1: None of this is good for you. Chelsea. look, I just came to check on you. I have a ton of work to do, but I'm leaving this here.
0: Chelsea presses her therapist's business card into Elaine's hand.
1: Text me about karaoke?
0: Elaine glares as Chelsea heads for the door.
1: I'll take that steely glare as a maybe.
0: Elaine follows Chelsea to the door. Chelsea opens it and steps into the hallway. Chelsea? Chelsea turns.
1: Did Lita ever mention the acrobat to you? Mm, Don't think so. Why? Who's that? Don't know. Maybe nobody.
0: Elaine waves the business card at her. Thanks. Chelsea smiles and heads for the elevator. Elaine closes the door behind her. She looks at the business card, throws it behind her shoulder, and puts her forehead against the door. Freud steps up behind her, picking the business card off the floor.
6: What did you do that for? You again. Yes, I'm afraid.
1: What are you going to do this time? Tell me everything's about sex? It is. And how does that help me? Sit down. No. No, 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 no. I'm not getting a therapy session from Sigmund Freud.
6: Oh, it's not a therapy session. Then I'd have to charge you.
0: Freud sits down and motions for Elaine to do so. Begrudgingly, she does.
6: How long has it been since your friend died? Two weeks. And what do you think is holding you back from moving on?
1: The memory of her. Not knowing why.
6: Well, let's start with the memory of her. This apartment. All her things are gone, no?
1: No. I mean, yes. Well, kind of. I stashed away her painting before her parents could take it.
6: So you still have something physical left of her?
1: Yeah, I guess.
6: Attaching meaning, personhood... Emotional energy to inanimate objects is natural, but it is also dangerous in the wake of a loss. You cannot let go of what still
0: remains. I see the painting. Elaine gets up to go get the painting. Freud stands up and looks around the room. He goes up to the coat rack. Sex. He examines the lamp. Sex. He turns around and Elaine is looking at him exasperated. She holds the painting. Freud points at it. Sex!
1: Oh, grow up. I stood here and watched you call everything in my living room sex.
0: Not everything.
6: Just the objects shaped like penises.
1: You have no idea what you're talking about.
6: Maybe I do, maybe I don't. So, why don't you get another opinion?
1: I see where you're going with this.
6: You can't live inside your own mind, Elaine. Do you know how much I helped my patients?
1: Depends on who you ask. (sighs)
6: There is no shame in asking for help when you are struggling.
1: I'm not struggling that much.
6: Being entirely honest with oneself is a good exercise.
1: Did you just quote
6: yourself? You need to gain insight, Elaine. You need someone else's perspective. Like the painting. Did you ever see sex in it?
1: No, not before.
6: But you do now?
1: Mostly I think you're full of it. Yes, I can see how you would get that.
6: All right, there. That's why you should call... Freud looks at the business card. Dawn Lemon. <laughs> Lemon.
1: And why should I listen to you? <sighs> Fine, give me that. I'll consider it.
0: Freud hands Elaine the business card. Oh, and tell her I was your reference. At the university, Chelsea is hurriedly walking down the hallway to her office. Gerald strolls up beside her.
7: What's the rush? Oh,
1: hey, I just have so much to do. Chelsea Wu wastes no time.
7: I need your advice on a predicament. Fire away. I have news I want to share, but it's about me. And it's good news, so I'll feel like a terrible braggart.
1: Well, you have about one minute before I get to my office, so you'd better start posting.
7: Are you this supportive with your students?
1: Excuse me, I am so supportive. I am the supportivist. If I were any more supportive, I'd have an underwire. You now have 40 seconds.
7: Right. Quick version. President Cook is stepping down at the end of the summer. The Board of Trustees has requested my candidacy to take his place. Chelsea stops and turns, wide-eyed.
1: President? As in, of the university?
0: Gerald nods a little too quickly, betraying his excitement.
1: Gerald, that's huge! That's got to, what, octuple your salary? What comes after octuple?
7: Yes, it's a pay increase for sure, but... Think of all the good we could do with that kind of influence. Inclusion can be my entire platform. We? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, there will be other candidates. But if I'm chosen, I'll have a lot of key positions to fill on my staff. Just saying. But right now, we have to keep the news between us. It isn't public yet.
1: Well, whether I can shout it from the rooftops yet or not, I'm really excited for you. When the reporters start coming around the office asking about you, do I lead with you walking on water or feeding the multitude?
7: I knew I hired you for a reason. And I've wasted enough of your time.
1: Yeah, I've got a shit ton of work to do.
7: You do. Should I be scolding you for that or something?
1: I believe that's how this boss thing works.
7: Right. Get to work. Yes, sir. They laugh
0: as Chelsea heads into her office and Gerald walks back towards his, whistling. Elaine's apartment Elaine is curled up on the couch with a blanket, a woman's magazine, and a bag of chips. Her laptop is open next to her. A messy tub of ice cream and a mostly empty two liter of ginger ale sit on the coffee table. A nineties girl power movie is on in the background. She mumbles along with the lines to the movie, flipping through the pages of a magazine. She gets to one page, squints her eyes, then holds the magazine up and tries to look at the image the other way. Then she lifts up one of her legs a little, before shaking her head.
1: Not possible, Cosmo.
0: Elaine reaches for the ginger ale on the table and drinks straight out of the bottle. The credits start rolling on the movie. No! Elaine hastily reaches for her laptop and pulls up a post titled Ten Best Girl Power Movies for Preteens. Her social media tab shows a notification, so she goes to it and is again bombarded with posts on Lita's profile. She blinks hard, then closes her computer. Elaine picks up Dr. Lemon's business card. She stares at it for a full minute, mustering her resolve. Finally, she takes out her phone and dials the number. Sue and Paul sit in the car in silence on their way home from dinner. Paul is driving. Sue reaches to turn on the radio. It's in the middle of a Taylor Swift song.
5: Who is this? Read the screen. Now, how do I do that? It says right there. Oh, wow. It shows the song and the artist. How'd you get it to do that?
4: We've had this car for a year, dear.
5: I don't fiddle with that stuff.
4: Reading isn't fiddling.
5: One wrong button and who knows, this could eject me out of the sunroof. Sue chooses not to reply. Taylor Swift. I thought she sang country songs. Country teen love songs. This sounds like, like, what do they call it? Pop. Club music. Oh, wait. Now, I do remember reading about her in the paper. She had a beef with some rapper. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. Kanye. The one Dylan's always listening to.
5: Sure, sure, she called him out during the Grammys. Untactful, if you ask me.
4: He called her a dirty name in a song.
5: Oh, that's what rappers do. They're all about building their own ego.
4: She was defending herself.
5: You should have seen what she was wearing. Looked like a bathing suit top with... Paul, please. It's bothering you, isn't it? I don't care what she was wearing. I mean Elaine. This whole thing with Elaine. Well, of course. You know
4: her. She doesn't handle things well. And she was so evasive last week.
5: Even I would have trouble if my roommate, you know...
4: Killed themselves? The girl's parents aren't in the car, Paul. You can say it.
5: I know. Listen, I was just thinking about your sister...
4: Elaine is not Ellen. I'm just worried. Aren't we all?
5: These things... They do run in families, you know. I just think that Elaine's issues might not all be her own fault. Don't let her off the hook. What's that supposed to mean?
4: Don't go easy on her. These are all her choices, Paul. Her her graduate degree in English. I mean, she has to teach even to afford that degree, even with our help. And she's putting herself through too much stress. She knows what she's doing.
5: I don't think she knows it's hurting her.
4: We shouldn't have named her Elaine. What? It's too similar to my sister's name, you know? It's like we were asking for it. Ellen, Elaine, was I high?
5: That epidural did make you a little loopy.
4: Huh, apparently.
0: I wish she would answer my calls. She will when she's ready. Dr. Lemon's office is well lit, but it still feels dingy to Elaine a closed-off room filled with other people's problems. Dr. Lemon flips through Elaine's paperwork as Elaine peruses the enormous Stephen King collection among a shelf of academic journals.
3: Wow. The books? Yeah. A lot of people notice that. Why do you think? I guess I expected a shelf full of self-help books. I don't try to be something I'm not. Putting up a shelf of self-help books wouldn't show you who I am. It would show you a stereotype of who you think I should be. That actually makes
1: a lot of sense.
3: So you like Stephen King? Yes, obviously. It's not even the horror aspect I like. It's the way he talks about New England and Maine. I grew up in Maine. It makes me feel close to home. Hmm. Do you like that feeling? What? Feeling close to home. You know, something that reminds you of the house where you grew up, or the woods at the end of your street, or your father whistling. My father doesn't whistle. But you do like to be reminded of them. No, actually, not really. When you get an A on a paper, do you call your father? No. When you have a fight with your friend, do you call your mother? No, I don't really. So... They don't give you guidance or support. I don't want it from them. But you would like it from me. I guess. And why do you think? Because I'm paying you. Sorry, that was kind of inappropriate. That's all right. It can be hard to open up. Losing somebody is hard. I'm supposed to give you all of these.
0: Dr. Lemon reaches over her desk and picks up a few pamphlets, She gives them to Elaine. Elaine looks through them.
3: Dealing with loss. Don't worry, you're not alone. Conquering your grief. Wow. Exactly. Basically, the school wants me to spit the content of these packets out to you and expect it to help. But me, I have too much student debt from graduate school to adhere to these guidelines. Don't tell them that.
1: Hey, doctor, patient confidentiality can work both
3: ways, right? You bet. So, Elaine, is it Lita's suicide that is bothering you the most? Um, yeah, like, not knowing. Not knowing what?
1: Why she did it. I guess I just didn't see it coming.
0: Elaine trails off, sighs, and throws her head back, looking at the ceiling. Elaine sits back up and jumps when she sees Freud sitting behind Dr. Lemon's desk. He's reading a pamphlet titled, Sex, a Journey.
3: Everything all right? Sorry, I'm just on edge, I guess. Have you talked to anyone else about this? Friends, I guess. And do they help? Not
1: really. I mean, they're so nice. Like, too nice. I wish they could just say something like... Yes, you could have done something, I guess. Why would you want them to say that? Because maybe if someone says I could have done something, I can just feel guilty and get it over with instead of not knowing whether or not to feel guilty.
3: What would make you feel less guilty? Knowing why, I guess. It's very common to want answers, especially in these situations. And it's not wrong to look for them. Lita has gone... It's a horrible, tragic thing that doesn't make any sense to us. But she won't come back. So you can't worry about taking care of her anymore. Because you just can't. Now you need to worry about taking care of yourself. I can't do that until I know what really happened. If you think finding out why she did it will help, explore your options. Don't ignore your daily life over it. But if you think her friends will give you answers, a teacher or a journal that was left behind, anything. It's not wrong to want to know, Elaine. Thanks. I kind of felt like a freak for obsessing over it. The goal is for you not to obsess, but to find peace with it, so you can really enjoy your life. Isn't that what Lita would want?
0: Elaine's apartment. Elaine walks through her door and puts her purse down on the coffee table. She collapses on the couch.
1: Congratulations, Elaine. You survived therapy.
0: She sits there for a few seconds, then reaches forward to grab her laptop.
1: I basically got permission from my therapist to snoop, right?
0: Freud walks up behind the couch and looks over Elaine's shoulder as she opens her social media page on her computer. Elaine types Lita's email and password into the login.
6: Well, Lida wouldn't have told you her password if she didn't want you to ever snoop. There's a name for that, I think.
1: A Freudian slip?
6: Ah,
0: there it is. Freud smiles to himself and leaves the room. Elaine signs on as Lita. She clicks on Lita's profile and is quickly overwhelmed by all of the Miss You posts. She determinedly taps her fingers on the keypad and then clicks over to Lita's messages. She scrolls down the list of people she's messaged.
1: Is one of you the acrobat?
0: Elaine stops on one whose profile name reads... Mike Jasper. Her eyes widen as she sees the last message from Mike, reading, Go to hell, slut. Got you.
1: There is always hope. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone.
0: If you or a loved one is in crisis, talk to a friend, family member, teacher, counselor, or confidant. If you need help immediately, text 741 741 to the Crisis Text Line from anywhere in the U.S.
1: To find additional help or ways that you can help, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com forward slash resources.
0: Stay tuned for scenes from our next episode. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten. Executive Producers Chris Burnside, Megan Burnside. Producers Anna Adamey, Joey Ferber, Jenna Gomes, CeCe Hutton, Avery Huddle, Grace Poppy Tavis Taylor Sound Engineer Dan Seavers Script Editors Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside Script Supervisor CC Hutton Grace Poppy Theme Song by Joey Ferber Kelsey Mills and Ian Mortison Unwritten was recorded at Megafauna Sound For more Unwritten visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com On the next episode of Unwritten,
3: you do know that it's not all your responsibility. That's what
1: Chelsea said.
3: She wants me to go...
1: speed dating.
0: Dr. Lemon and Picasso both perk up. Speed
1: Speed dating? dating. Come one, come all! We are now casting jerks for all networks of all ages!
7: Hey there, sweet thing.
1: Ah-ha! Responding to our summoning. This guy is the acrobat? She must have been upset with him. And the last time he talked to her was just a few days before- What? Okay, stop. If you're going to talk to him, I'm coming with you.